Blog Talk Radio. Thanks for tuning in to the hottest talk radio show around. Providing an open discussion for some of the most important social issues and trending topics today. From personal growth or spirituality to sex and relationships, no subject is ever taboo. So prepare to be empowered, enlightened, and entertained during another episode of the award-winning Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends. Real people, real topics, real talk. Thanks for tuning in. It's Tuesday, February the 12th, 2019. I'm Will Strayhorn, your host. I want to thank everybody for tuning in to another show. I'm a little under the weather. I've been having the flu ever since Sunday, I believe it is. Um, for this situation, I thought I wasn't the one in the house with the flu. Went to urgent care for my other half. I thought that he was sick. And comes out that I was the one that was that had the flu. I didn't feel any symptoms at all other than being a little tired, but, you know, I thought I was working too much or whatever. They swabbed me and said, no, he didn't have the flu. I had the flu. So I've been um, taking care of myself ever since Sunday. <clears throat> Feeling a little bit better, but um, still trying to take it easy. Tonight we have a good show. We have, you know what, a good good close friend of the show is back for the chat segment. We have Miss Caprice Elmore who's going to come. We're going to talk about a lot of the things that are in the media, including Jesse Smollett. We have some things with the government in Virginia, here in the state that we're in, things going on, a lot of scandals going on um, in Virginia. We also want to talk about something that um, Jada Pinkett Smith said about relationships, how she was feeling that friendship is so much more important than romance in a relationship. And I have to agree with her. So we're going to talk to um, Caprice, once we bring her on. And our special guest this evening coming on at 7.30 is Miss Kathy Tukaro, who she went from homelessness to driving the world's biggest truck. Um, dream big, that's her whole story. So we're going to talk to her at 7.30. But first, we're going to bring my girl Caprice Elmore on the line. Caprice Elmore, how are you? Hey, Will, I am well. How are you? I am doing good. Have not talked to you officially on the air since we left WODU. So I want to thank you so much uh, for agreeing to come and chat with me a little bit during the chat segment. But you know, what's going on with you? You know, last time we talked, you were doing some things. You were trying to figure out which way you were going to go with your brand. What's new with, with with you? Well, I am, as everybody knows, I am the infamous Caprice Elmore. I'm an author and a life coach. And I have completed, or shall I say, been through a year of therapy. So I have been going around talking to everybody about my, it's called God plus therapy. Because a lot of people think, you know, you just need God. No, people need to get off their knees from praying and get Mm -hmm. on and lay on somebody's couch. Exactly. So I've been talking to different people about God plus therapy because mm-hmm. you need to be whole, period. Mm-hmm. And everybody's been loving it. Are people, are people that are traditionally grounded in the church still having issues with saying that it's okay to go get therapy? Because my, my pastor preaches the same thing. That, you yeah, know, they, they still have issues. Hand in hand. That it does, it does. And people show it says like, um, it happens, I wear a T-shirt. And people always ask me, what is that T-shirt? God plus therapy. I say, because it's a combination. They both have to work. God, okay. you can't, God can't heal you until you give him, what he, give him what you need to get healed. You have to acknowledge it first. Exactly. exactly. And the only way you can acknowledge it is if you go back to where it began and most of the time it's in your childhood. And your therapist can help you get there. Exactly. Exactly. That's good. That's good. Is that your is that your whole program that you put together? God yes, plus therapy. God program that I put together. Yes, God plus therapy. Yep. That's exactly like what I'm that. talking about because it also helps you get your self esteem. Exactly. It helps you get your confidence, your self esteem, because everything stems from the past, and only exactly. therapy can take you back there. You have to be willing to go, and then God yeah. can work on what you willing to give Him. And honey, I'm a whole different person. Uh, I've been following you. So I see you. So tell me about this wonderful vacation that you went on. Oh my goodness! Oh, yeah. We went to Turkey. It was seventeen of us. 
And yes, we enjoy ourselves. It was this. Uh, it was called Beaches Resort. It was an upscale resort, really, really nice. And we just enjoyed ourselves. The lady, um, the girl whose birthday it was, she had everything planned. We had activities, games. She even um, chartered a boat on that Sunday. We went out for like for five hours on the boat. We even went by. Um, What's her name? Uh, Lisa Ray's old house. We went over there, and the poor guy was telling us all about her at the house and everything. It was really nice. We enjoyed it. I will go back there again. Awesome. Awesome. Right. A, little, a little pricey, a little pricey, um, because it was it was 17 of us, Will, and it was uh-huh. only us there that was the 17 other than the waiters and the cooks. Really? Oh, so y'all had a yeah. experience. That is really nice. Oh, man, okay. All right, go ahead. We saw, we saw one African-American lady there, and she came up to us. She said, you have to be somebody because this is my fourth <laughs> year here, and I've, and I've never seen another black person here. We was like, no, we just people that save some cash. Uh, I know, right? But, yeah. That's amazing, but was, huh? Everybody, you have to take a good vacation. You have to. Will, y'all have to do yeah, exactly, exactly. After this wedding, I'm definitely, uh, we don't know where we're going, but we're planning something nice. I might look into that, yeah. as a matter Okay, yeah, so a lot of things going on in the news. We're going to get started. You know, Jesse Smollett from Empire, um, this situation still with, you know, the alleged um, homophobic beating and the hate crime. You know, people still are kind of iffy because they don't know if it's a false claim. Police haven't come out and said that um, he's not a victim. They haven't come out and said that they're, um, they have him as a suspect. But they've been trying to get him from the evening of the attack to hand over his phone mm-hmm. because he that him and Lee Daniels were on the phone during the, the whatever that happened and that Lee Daniels heard the homophobic slurs and all this kind of stuff. So the police know the FBI, they wanted the phone records, but he wasn't giving it up. But finally, he handed over a PDF of a phone law, a redacted phone law, which basically means it's, it's not the full phone um, ledger. It has uh-huh. missing calls. It's not a full, accurate report. A lot of people don't understand how this is going, and the police department has said, you know, that they're really they're going to have to talk to him again because it doesn't give them enough to substantiate the claims that he's making. Um, and a lot of people, you know, they they come out saying that something else wants to happen. They're not really believing the story. What do you feel about it? Well, I, I, I'm on the fence on both because I'm like, why would him of that status? Why would he need to come out with something like that? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Is it, it, mm-hmm. He ain't taking medication, anything like that. It's like, to me, if nobody really have a need to, for that type of attention, mm-hmm. then it had to happen. I don't mm-hmm. know why he's not doing everything. Maybe it was somebody he knew that was in the industry or something. Maybe they got a little drunk together. I don't know, but to me, he's at that level where he don't need to make up a story for attention. Right, right. So, so why would he? Now, this is what I think, and this is just a hypothetical situation me and some people have discussed. I'm in um, a Facebook group, and they were running, back, running through the scenarios because, he, you know, he's, he's a, a out man in Hollywood. He's a gay man in Hollywood. So in the community, there are these apps. They're called hookup apps. And usually people, they're, usually they're done by there's a, you know, the GPS on the phone, and you can tell when someone's yeah. near you and is looking to hook up. Or whatever. So the rumor is that it was a situation gone bad, and that it turned physical. And you know, he was on the phone with me, Daniels, perhaps whatever. And I guess there must something, whatever he's trying to protect him that phone. Perhaps it's the text between him and whoever it was. Perhaps it's photos that were shared. I'm not sure, but um. I'm not even sure who called the police if he was because I know they said that he went to the to the hospital under a fictitious well, they name. Said his manager, his manager called the police. Um, his manager convinced him when they was inside of his apartment little thing. His manager convinced him to contact the police because he really didn't want to do it. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, his manager convinced him, to, so he did go ahead and tell the police or whatever. But it's like, dude, I mean, somebody's going to come forward if it if indeed it happened. But I right. I'm on the fence. It's like, why would he need to do that? But like you said, if there's something going bad, but then don't forget, well, 
somebody sent something to his, their job already. Yeah, you're right. Somebody did send something to his job. Somebody right. sent to his job, so it got to be a connection somewhere. Mm-hmm. It's just that, you know, who knows? Maybe it was a friend yeah. or something. He's already, uh, he's already high. He doesn't need any type of attention. There was some people were saying there was a, a, right. a, a media for media attention, but he didn't need that. Mm-hmm. You know what, Spike Lee? 
Floyd Mayweather today. Floyd Mayweather, he went in there and he balled out on Gucci. He was on TMZ today. He said, I'm not going to stop doing that. Why should I? I know, that's right. Exactly. Exactly. And um, Spike Lee, he was calling, he was saying that he was going to boycott pretty much until there's a better black representation at the table. Because basically, like, if we go back to the H&M story, when they had the little boy, that was like middle of last year, when they had the little boy in the monkey t-shirt. Do you remember that? Uh-huh, I remember, yeah. I remember the monkey t-shirt. And then everybody was all up in arms. They were trashing the H&M stores, boycotting H&M. And we're, we're right back in there. People are right back in there. So, do you, well, I, do don't you, see, uh, I don't see Spike Lee with Gucci on anyway. That's not his. I mean, if you were talking about a Nike, Nike you know, a Nike suit, I mean, uh-huh. a Nick, the Nick suit or something like that, that's different. But he can boycott Gucci. He don't, I don't ever see him in that. Right. Right. But I guess he was just basically saying have a representation at the table so they can say, you know what, before things come out, you know, that might be a little culturally insensitive. Well, at this day and age, you don't think Gucci ain't have black people at that table? There were some blacks at their table. They just kept their mouth shut to keep their job. To keep their job. They probably said, oh, it's not that bad. I don't, Mm -hmm. I do not one minute think that there was no blacks at that table. Hmm. No, I don't think there was no black. I just think that the blacks there just didn't really say anything mm-hmm. because they thought, oh, it's just, you know, it's just a shirt or something like that. Now, granted, if there wasn't no lips on that shirt, the shirt would have been okay. Right. Nobody wouldn't have paid attention to it, but because of that, I think that there were some black people at that table. The same way I think that that young black man that just got hired for Louis Vuitton is that it? Uh huh. Yeah. So he was there, he's there. So I think now, I don't think he's going to let it go but so far over there. But mm-hmm. there's black people at that table. they just not saying nothing. Now, do, do you, did you see Katy Perry's shoes? Katy Perry's shoes? Yeah. She, she, has, she has some shoes that are supposed to resemble blackface. They have the same thing. Like the black thing with the red lips and all this kind of stuff. I was like, I don't even, I would have never looked at him and said, I would have never looked at him and said, okay, she's depicting a black face and try to boycott it. But I'm like, okay, now that I look at it, I can see it. But everybody's trying to boycott her now, too, for these black face shoes. I saw that. And like yeah. you said, with some things, are we culturally sensitive? Some things people ought to know is wrong. But if you don't know no better, mm-hmm. you don't do better. Just like with mm-hmm. the, the uh, Governor Norbert. They said in that time, that's what they did. Did you hear the news today? They just saw somebody from DCU's yearbook back in the days had blackface in it, too. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what they was in. Exactly. And and, and it doesn't make it right. Not right, it's not wrong. That's just the fact of the matter. And it was back in the 80s. Um, If it was a situation where they were saying that that happened back then and then people from today came forth and said that, you know, he was still exhibiting that type of behavior or whatever, then it would be an issue. But I'm definitely a person who believes that people can change. Uh, and he's telling me, you know, he said that he's not that person that he was. To me, and then the actions of the people who know him now, African Americans who can vouch for him, um, I say, you know, that happened. Again, it wasn't right. It's not wrong, but that's just the fact that it happened. I don't think that he should step down. Are you, you know, are you calling for a resignation, if you don't mind? Yeah. Honey, if you went back to me uh, 30-something <laughs> years ago or 20-something years ago, I probably wouldn't have the job I got. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you think I remember, if you are, people say you're supposed to act crazy in your 20s. That's what you do. Get all that out. Exactly. Man, he was in medical school, but he still was in school. He still mm-hmm. was finding himself. For the past 30 years, he has not exhibited anything against an African-American person that I've seen since I've been down here or since he's been governor. He's only been helping. And Governor Mm -hmm. Walden, actually, he is one of the big supporters of the program that I run, which is Loving Sense, which is for um, high infant mortality rate in the black community. Oh, really? So, yeah, I don't see any any, um, 
I don't see anything wrong with it. For 30, if I'm apprenticing somebody something for 30 years ago, honey, we'll all, we'll all be out of work. Exactly, exactly, exactly. And then to bring um, Lieutenant Governor Fairfax into the situation, so he ran through ran for office, and not to say that the ladies are, are not telling the truth, but I'm just really concerned about the timing of it all because after they said that they were going to um, – Asked for for Governor Northam's resignation, and then the attack on Lieutenant Governor Fairfax came, and I'm like, well, where were where were these ladies when he was running for office? None of these stories came forth. But but then when it came to the potential that he may be next in line to become governor, Virginia, you know, their second black governor after you know, um, what was his name? Governor, um, I forgot his name. I forgot his name. But the second governor, second Af- African-American gov- governor, that's yeah. when these two ladies came forward. And I'm just a little suspicious of the timing. But, you know, he said, um, the statement that he said was, and I quote, uh, what I have expressed is the truth. I want to stand here in that truth and restate that my truth, as well as the truth of Dr. Tyson and Ms. Watson, should be fully investigated and thoroughly mm-hmm. assessed. You know, he's calling the FBI to investigate it. He's standing firm saying that the first person, you know, was, it was consensual and that the second person is a, is a straight-out lie. So um, I'm, I'm interested to know how that's going to end. Because both said they're yeah. not going to sit down. Um, and I know somebody had called to start the impeachment for um, Lieutenant Governor Fairfax. But then it um he backed, down. Yeah, he backed down from that. So we'll see. That's gonna be interesting to watch. But there it is. is. It is. Jada Pinkett. I, I think mm-hmm. it's sad. But go ahead. Jada Pinkett Smith. I love her. You know? Do you watch or follow her Can or read? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I did. Very good. So she was saying that um, friendship is more important than romance in a marriage. Um, she had took to Instagram and she had posted, um, she said, I used to believe that romantic love was the highest form of love until I re- realized how unmet standards of romantic love often justified it turned into a cold heart that many times can fuel hateful and brutal actions of revenge and manipulation towards someone that you say or said you love. She said, it actually can be the only form of love that you can fall out of. At one point, my romantic standard of love was all that mattered, and if it wasn't met, there was more than hell to pay. She said, my romantic standards were feeding my ego, whether they were met or unmet, and I experienced some very hard lessons, and I continue to do so, that formed the decision that my ego and my heart could not share the same space. She said, it was also the deciding factor to transform my union to Will Smith from a marriage that was contaminated with all the stuff from above to a life mm-hmm. partnership led by and steeped to devotional friendship. She said the only thing to do in life is to find the form of love where we can give the best of ourselves and it's not always going to look like what you thought it was going to look like. So I wonder, do you agree that friendship is more important than romance in a marriage or a relationship? I do, because if the world has their expectations on what a marriage is, well, the world doesn't have expectations on what a friendship is. Because if friendship can have so many different levels and styles and visions, why can't a marriage? So when you're trying to live up or you're trying to make your mate live up to the, the standard marriage, then you're going to fail. Because right. nobody can live up to that. So when you deal with a friendship, there's so many different levels of friendship, and with a friendship, it's okay. Mm-hmm. You can do certain things in a friendship, but in the marriage, you can't. So I do believe that because also, when you were friends with somebody, you you can do so much more. Mm-hmm. But when you just got this marriage, this quote unquote, the world's marriage over your head, it, it's, it's something you you competing. Your marriage exactly. got to look like his, and it's, it's just too much. So yeah. you can't define my friendship with my husband, mm-hmm. but you can define yeah. my marriage with my husband. Mm-hmm. I think so friendship. I, I do friendship. Friendship is very, very, very important. Um, 
my situation is uh, to start out. You should start out, and I think it needs to be a solid foundation to any type of relationship because those, you know, flowers and candy days, they're going to quickly pass. And if you don't have anything else to stand on, any other type of foundation, you know, any little win that comes about, you know, you're going to be ready to go. And in my last relationship, the friendship is really much what, what kept it going, even really when, if we could be honest, the relationship part, the, the romance part was gone, but the friendship is really what kept everything together. So I think and friendship. They say the friendship is, the friendship should be a good bond that it should be so good that when you and your partner or when y'all decide to end the relationship, you still mm-hmm. can have a friendship with that person. And that's exactly that's how, how it is. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Well, I just want to ask you one more quick question. I know this wasn't on our agenda, but we were talking about, um, you know, the situation with B. Smith and her husband. You know, B. Smith, the black yeah. Martha Smith, yeah. had Alzheimer's for six years. Basically, mm-hmm. she's still, her husband, she's, they're, they're still married. He's still living in the house. She's, he's still taking care of her. He hasn't put her in a home or anything, but he, you know, claimed that he's in love with another woman. And she sometimes lives in the house with them, and they take care of B together. Um, they posted, you know, videos of them together and everything. A lot of people are saying that it's disrespectful that he's not honoring vows of, you know, for better or for worse and sickness and health. But me personally, I, I disagree with it. But I, I haven't found too many people who agree with me. A lot of people are saying that it's wrong. What do you feel about that? Now, the, the church probably going to be upset. Mm-hmm. But my opinion is, my thing is, he he is honoring his vows. Right. He is loving her to the end. And like I tell people, you don't know what people's pillow talk was about. You don't know if she started going down or she felt like, you know what, live your life. I want you to be happy. Mm-hmm. You don't know what a, a, a spouse's pillow talk is. Like I tell my husband, I say, okay, you know, God said something happened to me. You know, I don't want to be a, ve- a vegetable. But somebody else may think, oh, Caprice, when it's, you don't know what me and my husband talked about. So you don't know what B. Smith and him talked about. And if people would have something to say if he would have divorced her, put her in a home, and then spent her money. Right, exactly. People would have exactly. something to say. So let him honor his vows, take care of her the way she's supposed to take care of her to the end, and he's doing the right thing. Exactly. Exactly. That's what I said. Okay. He has somebody else with him, but that's that's fine because the point is he loves B. Smith now, but he's mm-hmm. in love with the other lady, and they are right. not disrespecting her any. Exactly. That's fine. Okay. Well, Caprice, thank you so much for coming on for the chat. I'm definitely gonna have to have you back on. I love your energy. Thank you. Um, yes. And I, I hope love you. you. No, I said I love you too, Will. All right, so we'll have you back on definitely. Have a good night, okay? Okay, you too. All right. All right. All right, that was Caprice Elmore. I see that our special guest for the evening is on. Kathy Takara went from homelessness to driving the world's biggest truck. Takara is a heavy equipment operator in the oil sands. She's going to tell her story of how she turned her entire life around in her book, Dream Big. So we have her coming up. Right after this break, we'll be right back with more for Wall Street Horn and Friends. You've been listening to Let's Face with Wall Street Horn and Friends. We'll be right back. Women now make up 37% of the workforce, changing their role forever. Harvard Medical School has now opened its doors to new female applicants. The first woman is now in space. The majority of last year's doctorate degrees were earned by women. We've come so far, but our news is changing for the worse. More women die from heart disease and stroke than men, even though it can be prevented. Make a change at GoRedForWomen.org today. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the American Heart Association's Go Red for Women. Today in school, I learned a lot. In chemistry, I learned that no one likes me. In English, I learned that I'm disgusting. And in physics, I learned that I'm a loser. Today in school... I learned that I'm ugly and useless. And in gym, I learned that I'm pathetic and a joke. In history, I learned that I'm trapped. Today in school, I learned that I have no friends. In English, I learned that I make people sick. And at lunch, I learned that I sit on my own because I smell. In chemistry, I learned that no one likes me. In biology, I learned that I'm fat and stupid. 
And in math, I learned that I'm trash. The only thing I didn't learn in school today... The only thing I didn't learn today... The only thing I didn't learn... ...is why no one ever helps. Kids witness bullying every day. They want to help, but they don't know how. Teach them how to stop bullying and be more than a bystander at StopBullying.gov. A message from the Ad Council. What's going on, everybody? This is Neo for LifeBeat. The music industry fights AIDS. When you're drunk or high, all you want to think about is what feels good. But think about this. Two Americans under the age of 21 are infected with HIV every hour of every day. Don't become another statistic. Use protection. To learn more about HIV and AIDS, log on to www.lifebeat.org. Respect yourself. Protect yourself. You're now listening to Let's Face It with Will Stateborn and Chris. Now back to the show. Welcome back. So Dream Big is a story of change through faith, courage, and hope. And unrelenting determination to push forward and attain your goals. Please help me welcome to the show author and real life overcomer, Ms. Kathy Takaro. Welcome to the show, Kathy. How are you? Hi, how are you? I am doing great. Can't wait to hear your story. I love the, the cover of your book. That is a tall, big truck. I tell you. <laughs> The publisher wanted me to put the, my face on the cover. I'm like, are you kidding me? No one will buy the book. <laughs> I said, you got to put a cover of something that nobody's ever seen, like my truck. You don't see that on TV. You don't see it a reality show. So, yeah, people see that truck and they stop. They're like, oh, my God. <laughs> exactly. But the, the story giving you two driving that big truck, because you were a nurse for 13 years. And then at age 42, you started driving the world's biggest truck. So what what was that transition like? What led to to that transition in career? Well, I ended up losing my 13-year nursing career due to a lifetime of unaddressed trauma. Like I, like molestation as a child, uh, many rapes, uh, forced into sex at a very young age. I was uh, drugged and raped by a photographer at 18. I was gang raped at 19 in Montreal. Um, just a series of events that just led me to be extremely vulnerable and low self-esteem and then tons of, uh, I, I chose men that would, uh, I, seven years of extreme hell um, from beatings and I lived on death's door, I was strangled three times, I, I mean, he threw a big knife at me, missed me by an inch, I, mean, I lived with a shovel on my porch as a reminder of what I was going to be buried with, um, mm. constant, constant trauma, like non-stop. And then, but I never dealt with it because nursing, it's very easy to take, it was easy to take care of other, other people than myself, right? And right. so I kind of put myself on the back burner until I started drinking and just unable to cope. And before you know it, uh, things escalated. I ended up on the street, leaving my career from, from alcohol. Um, mm. I lost everything I owned. My daughter wouldn't talk to me. I mean, I was I was even robbed. I was one of these homeless people that didn't even have a, a backpack because I had no identification. I had nothing but the clothes on my back. And then this guy named Toothless Joe, he slapped me on the back on the seventh day of my being homeless. And he says to me, this is the life. Live it. Love it. And I'm like, oh, my God. When he did that, that cloud of depression that I had, it's just mm-hmm. cleared in just one second. I'm looking at my very dismal surroundings. I'm like, what did you just say? <laughs> I'm like, this is not my life. I don't care what you think is okay, but this mm-hmm. is not my life. I actually stomped my foot. I turned around, and I went to the hospital. I detoxed, and I went to a women's program that they have up here in Canada where you live there for a year and you learn about boundaries, about anger management, about self-esteem. I had to deal with all the sexual abuse. It was a 12-week course. Um, I learned Mm. about codependency, like just all this stuff that they don't really teach you in life. Mm -hmm. And so from there, um, I knew I couldn't go back to nursing. So how do you change careers when you're 42? You know how hard that is? I'm like, I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. So I went to a career planning workshop, and after three days of aptitude and personality, um, the lady gave me my sheet and said, you you could be a heavy equipment operator. I just about fell off my chair. I started laughing because it was the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. Mm I said, I'm 42, I'm a woman, I'm not mechanically inclined, I've never looked at equipment, that's a man's job. And she says to me, 
if only you'd believe in yourself a little bit, you'd see that I'm right. So here in Canada, in, in Edmonton, uh, in Alberta, they have it's a program, it's a non-profit called Women Building Futures. And what that is, it uh, brings women into the trade, like electricity, uh, electrician, plumbing, journeyman, whatever, right? And heavy equipment. So right. the day I went in, you know the company ExxonMobil, the biggest company in the world, basically? Right. They were there, and they were sponsoring 16 women to learn to drive haul trucks and to be a heavy equipment operator. And there's 170 women that applied. They were taking 16. I got picked. And out of the 16, they hired 11, and I got hired. And for two years from Toothless Joe, I'm standing beside the picture on the cover of my book, um, beside the biggest truck in the world. It's for, for the listeners, it is the size of a house, a two-and-a-half-story two house, 3,800 square foot. It weighs a million pounds. When oh the box God. is raised, it's five stories high. Um, the Caterpillar people told me you could fit 2.3 million hockey pucks in the back. <laughs> it is a house that I drive. And so, yeah, I've been doing that for, let's see, six years now. I got six years sober, and now what I do is I wrote the book. I travel the world. I work with uh, women in shelters, youth in schools, all about self-esteem and um, learning to, to believe and to, mm. to kind of stand on their own. So, yeah, that's what I've been doing. It's been a completely, it's been the best thing ever. I can imagine. I can imagine. So I'm curious. So you said hundreds of women tried out, and it narrowed it down to what you said, 16 and then 11. Did you ever find out what it was about Kathy Takara that made them choose you? Did you ever, what, was it just fate, destiny, or? I'm curious. <laughs> what, what was it about? Actually, you know, to be truthful, it's because I think I was one of the only ones that was so desperate <laughs> that I would do anything. <laughs> I mean, I went above and beyond to make sure that I got picked. It's as if, like, any fear and insecurity that I had about approaching a new uh, career, it overruled everything. My desire to change my life overruled everything. And so, man, like, I'll give you an example. I had to do a, a math test to get into the program. I haven't done math in 20 flipping years. I'm like, oh my God, I'm terrible at math. Well, what I did is I went to a math tutoring place and I did math every night for, for what, for three weeks straight. I got 96 in math on the test. I went above and beyond to make sure that I got picked. So, yeah. It's been the best career change ever. I tell women everywhere that mining mm -hmm. or heavy equipment operator is men's best kept secret. <laughs> Well, and I think a lot of that is thankful to Toothless Joe, who said, welcome, what do you say? Welcome, or this is the life, or something like that, and you refused to sit there. That inspired you That's to right. go. Because when you slapped me on the back and said, this is the life, I'm like, uh, buddy, this is not my life. <laughs> this ain't happening. <laughs> Seven Everybody. days of being homeless was enough. Right, right. Okay, so you mentioned some of the things that you you dealt with, the homelessness, the sexual abuse, um, all the types of abuse. Do you still, even after going through the training in Canada, you still have episodes where PTSD is, PTSD is an issue? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I'll tell you a good story. Um, the first month that I'm driving this truck, okay, I'm, I'm still, my self-esteem is shaky. I don't believe in myself. It's, it's scary as heck. I mean, this is a big, big truck. It's a house. So I'm driving. They asked me to come through the, this intersection, and um, security had to be there, and there was a long lineup of pickups that were watching me come through the intersection. And the truck is so big that it, you can't help but stop and your jaw drops because the sound alone is like, it, it's massive. So it's impressive. So people are getting out of their pickups. And as I'm coming through the intersection, the worst possible moment in history, I get the worst flashback ever. I start reliving all the most humiliating moments in my life. And I'm seeing them, and I'm coming through the intersection. I don't even see the wheel. It's so bad. And I start to cry. It takes my breath away, and um, like I'm panicking. I'm, so I have to open the window. But when I did that, I, I, I said, wait a minute. This, no, no, no. My past does not define my future. Those are my exact words that came out of my mouth. And so what I did is I took that black... Uh, all that memory, all those memories, and mm -hmm. I, I threw them out the window, 
but I was left with this kind of hole inside, right? So what I did, mm-hmm. is, anything negative, you got to replace it with something positive. Exactly. So what I did to, to reclaim my power in that moment is as I'm coming through the intersection, there's a long lineup of pickups, right, on both sides. I did the queen wave. <laughs> <laughs> as if I'm, as if I'm, I'm the queen. I'm coming through the intersection. Wow. I said, yeah, that's right. It's Kathy. I'm coming through. <laughs> and to all those who said that I would never achieve anything, ah, who's stopping ah. this truck? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I took my power back, and I didn't let those, those traumatic moments take me over. You know, like mm-hmm. my past will not define my future. It just won't. And so I do that now. So whenever there's something that's going to affect me in a negative way, I replace it with something positive and empowering, mm-hmm. right? That's a good but lesson. What, what I tell people is that you, you're the only one that can do it for you. You can go through all the training in the world, but ultimately you have to talk yourself through mm-hmm. it. Nobody exactly. can do that for you, right? So exactly. when that moment happens, you have to self-talk and say, hey, no, this isn't happening, and this, this is what I choose instead, right? So, right. That's what's worked for me, anyway. Yeah, and it's yeah, kept me going for six years. So. <laughs> yeah. Because when you when you when you meet a negative action or a thought with another negative action, it's just going to increase. So you do have to counteract that with something positive, so it can cancel it out. So I feel exactly what you're saying. I agree with that. <clears throat> I actually uh, do that in my own life. So yeah. Do you? Good. Well, yeah, that it works, right? Because it's it's too easy to be consumed by all these negative thoughts and just think right down, right? Mm -hmm. You have to stop it and say, no, wait a minute, that's wrong. Because all those people, all the men, all the the people that have told me that I wasn't good enough, I wasn't smart enough, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm, I'm just not, period, I'm not enough. Well, who's driving this truck? Who who changed their life around? I did. Mm -hmm. I'm the one that's sitting here making the big bucks and have have the great job, Right. Not exactly. them. They're probably still doing whatever. They're probably in prison by now. <laughs> Who knows? Right? So. Exactly. So, yeah. tell me something that is, other than, you know, you, you said that you're speaking to women now, what, what what are some of your other achievements that you have had, you know, through, throughout all your hardship that you've gone through? I know you, you've written a book, you're speaking to people, you're traveling. What are some other, some of your achievements that you want to share? Um, you know, <laughs> One of the biggest things is I, with, with the proceeds to the book, I've started, uh, I'm, I'm actually going to be building uh, a women's shelter a slash orphanage down in Grenada. I've oh, wow. been down there, tw- yeah, yeah, I've, I've been down there twice, and I had no idea the amount. Seven out of the eight women down there can't even read. How are they supposed to help themselves? How are they supposed to help their children? So the proceeds to the book is going to that. It's, yeah, I'm quite proud of that. I um, I go down to the schools there regularly. I bring um, all sorts of, of school supplies, and um, I contribute to, to the growth of, uh, I guess, the, the, the minorities. So, yeah. Um, and, like, I'm actually going to Barbados here right away in, in, on March 4th to the 11th, and I'm going to mm-hmm. be working with the women in prison that are there. And, I'm, you know, so that's super cool. I got three schools down there. I got the women's shelter. Um, yeah. You know what? It's amazing. Just sitting here listening to you talk about that is actually what you were just saying in action, how all the negative things that you've been through, you're turning them around with positive, and you're helping other people who are going through the same situation. So that's yeah, a test. Absolutely. To it's huge, right? Because a lot of people, yeah. they get trapped and they don't know how to get out. Like, I, I have to figure out the hard way. And if I can help people, like right now, I've just finished the, my, the Dream Book, uh, the Dream Big Workbook, and the introduction in Chapter 1 will be on my website. All it is is questions um, that, will, um, that will contribute to the book. And I got mm-hmm. a children's book that's coming out for all kids that are being sexually abused in, in a way to kind of um, figure out ways to help themselves. So, yeah, I mean, I got lost on the go. Um, it's almost as if I'm just starting, you know what I mean? <laughs> so let's yeah. talk about the book, your, your, your book, Dream Big. What exactly you know, inspired you to write it? And then we want to know people who are going to buy this book, what can they expect to learn about you or how can they expect to be uplifted? 
Um, I've always said I was going to write a book, and but I, you know, I said oh, I'll do it when, when I'm 80. And I realized, you know what, Kathy, 13 years of nursing, you might not live to be 80. So I, I attended this uh, Get Motivated seminar where Les Brown was speaking, and oh, wow. there was another. Yeah, and it was free here in Canada. I couldn't believe it. Anyway, Lou Ferrigno was there. I know Lou. It was 12, uh, 12 hours of, of free speakers. Lou oh, Ferrigno was there, and there's a few a few other people. Anyway, mm-hmm. there's a guy that said, you know what? If you want to be a speaker, write a book. It'll be your calling card, period. doesn't have to be a big book, but just write a book. And uh, it just, the light went on. I'm like, oh, my God, yes, I will. So I, I came back to work, and in, in my book, um, there's a picture of a water truck. It's a 208,000 liter, which is 52,000 gallons of water that I spray the rose in. Anyway, mm-hmm. I, we're under this water tree about 10 times a day for half an hour. I sat in that truck, in that water truck, and I hand wrote my book in a month. Hand wrote, because we're not allowed electronics, right? <laughs> and then I mm-hmm. came home, I typed it up, and I added some pictures, and I said, this is it. And there you go. It just, it, you know when the time is right? And, yeah. And what people can get out of it, um, what I did, is every chapter, there's 10 chapters, Yes, I tell parts of my story, but that wasn't the main thing. I mean, there's so many millions and millions of abuse stories, right? I'm just mm-hmm. another one. But what mm-hmm. I did is I attached an emotion to the chapter. Like, chapter one is fear. Chapter two is loneliness. And then at the end, yes, I tell my story, but I talk a little bit about fear and about what that entails. And then I have questions at, at the end of each chapter for the reader to actually do some self-reflection and say, hey, what am I afraid of? Or what would I do if I wasn't afraid? What can I accomplish? There's so much. So, yeah, so as you go along, um, yeah, I talk about depression and anxiety. I talk about boundaries and codependency because uh, that's huge. A lot of people don't know what codependency is. Well, then I, I, I you know, there's, there's so much. And then about hope and courage and strength. And anybody can change their life if they really set their minds to it. I truly, truly believe that. I do. I've seen so many women. I've worked with thousands of women, and it, it's it's like a a, a a caterpillar in a cocoon that all of a sudden they make a decision and then they change and they start working at it daily and boom, they're a butterfly. Right. So I think it's a mindset too. Yeah, and it's wonderful that you're the inspiration for that. I think. Where can people get your book from? You can get it from Indigo in down in the states. Uh, and chapters here in Canada, you can get it on Kindle and um, in, on Amazon. And now the French version is coming out next month because I'm French. And so, incidentally, Caterpillar, because they make that truck, I'm going to Africa all of uh, all of May to do a French and English book tour in Africa for, for Caterpillar. They have a whole bunch of sites over there. Yeah. And so, I mean, who would thought? If only Toothless Joe could see me now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, something tells him that he's here. He probably doesn't see it. Yeah. Oh, my God. So, with your driving, you work 10 days on, 10 days off. What do you do when you're off, your, on your, your days off? Well, I, like, I just landed last night. Your mic is a little muffled. I didn't hear you. You there? I'm right above, right by the North Northwest Territories. We got Alaska, Utah Territories. Okay. That's how far I am way up north. I just minus 49, all set. It was really cool. But when it is off, that's when I go out. That's when I go out. I talk to the women. Uh, I, I started a work boot recycling program, and mm-hmm. I have collected 2,500 pairs of used work boots that I distribute to the community for safety programs that the people can't afford. I mean, these boots are, what, $250, 300 so when you're trying to rebuild your life, how do you get the pace when you don't have the money? But you need the job, right? It's like a circle. So I started a recycling program, and I go out and give boost to the community, and people are so grateful. Um, yeah. So 
I, yeah, that's what I've been doing. So, like, I'll be going to Barbados in March, and then all of May I'm in Africa. I'm doing a tour in Malibu in, in, in L.A., and then mm-hmm. I'm going to Quebec to finish off my French tour. Uh, yeah, I got lots on the go. <laughs> on my days off. <laughs> so what you my full-time job. Exactly. So with, with all of these philanthropic efforts that you're doing, have you started a nonprofit or any type of a foundation? Because you, I can see you definitely having one for everything that you're trying Sorry, to do. Sorry, say that again. I, I missed that. Sorry. I was saying with all of the, the efforts that you're doing, the philanthropic efforts, have you started a nonprofit or any type of a foundation to help with your efforts? Uh, I had last year I had started a, a I was trying to start a nonprofit. And mm-hmm. I, it, it's so it's so big and so uh, it demands a lot. And with yeah. my my traveling and my work, like when I'm at work, I don't have my phone. I don't have anything. It's you know, it's like I'm in the truck. That's it. I don't have access to internet unless like an hour before work or an hour. But by then, you're tired. Stop the nonprofit. So what I was looking at this year is to partner with someone. Yeah. And then because because of my work schedule and because I'm doing this alone, I don't have you know like it's very difficult. It's very overwhelming. I know. I know. I'm just trying to start one. And it, like you said, it's very overwhelming. Very. It is. It is. So uh, yeah, I need some help with that. But the idea is to partner with someone. I know, like in Grenada, where I want, where I plan on building my my women's shelter, they have the Heal with Hope Foundation. So I'll be partnering with them, right, down there with the government and things like that. So, yeah. So it, 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 it's gonna happen. It's just my take some time because of my schedule, but it's gonna happen. <laughs> it definitely will. It definitely will. So, what type of advice or any suggestions would you have for anyone who wants to, you know, change careers? I'm actually. In that situation, you said you were trying to change at 42. I'm 47 and just got a graduate degree, and I'm trying to change fields, and it's nearly impossible. So what type of suggestions do you have for people like myself, and would you recommend heavy equipment operating? Well, one thing, um, I think dogged determination <laughs> is the word for it. Um, yes, you, you have to just keep because it's very easy to get overwhelmed and give up and just you know tolerate or put up with what you got. But at the end of the day, life is short, and I really believe in being happy with what you do and where you want to be. And so, to to, to look at uh, kind of like think outside the box, even though there is no box. I mean, just think on a bigger scale. What I do often is I kind of imagine my life as a chessboard, and I pull myself above. And I look down and I look at what's not working, what is working. Sometimes we have to think in places that you wouldn't normally go. Well, maybe try that. Um, don't and go get. There's a lot of free resources out there that I had to go use because I didn't have any money, um, mm-hmm. which will help you. Right? Um, you have to really give yourself permission and give. Uh, to be able to want to change things and to try something new. Like for me, like I was saying, had that woman had not sent me to that women building futures, I'd have never in a million years gone for heavy equipment operator. Guess right. what? It was the best career change ever. <laughs> and I would I wouldn't have done it because I thought it was a man's job. Exactly. It's not. Exactly. Right? It's so not. Exactly. And I, yeah. I mean, I, it has done wonders for my self-esteem. I mean, it's challenging. I love it. It gives me independence and freedom, and, and never mind the money, right? It's good money. <laughs> and, and you'll always have a job because there's always construction. Let me tell you. So, uh, hey, uh, there, there's so much out there, but people, I think people limit themselves. Oh no, mm-hmm. I can't do that. No, you can do it. Try it. Give it a shot. Mm-hmm. The only thing that's stopping you is yourself. Period. Right, right. So, exactly. yeah. So, what words of wisdom, if I may say, do you have for people who may be going through a difficult or a tough time? Oh, God. Uh, don't keep it to yourself. Have a voice. Do something. Go get the help you need. Find, if one person doesn't work, one counselor doesn't work, go try another one. Go try another one. There are so many resources, especially online nowadays. I didn't have that back in the 80s or 90s, right? Like, it was just it wasn't the same. But now, I don't think there's any excuse. There's so much help. 
But how can someone help you if they don't if you don't tell them that your nice exactly. picture perfect house with your white picket fence isn't that pretty after all? Maybe it's mm-hmm. a hell inside. But you yeah. have to do something. No matter if you're swallowed up in fear, you know what? On the other side of fear is freedom. It, it is. But yet you have to move. You have mm-hmm. to take that scary first step, get off that couch, get out, get your get your butt out that door and mm-hmm. do something for yourself, right? Otherwise right. nothing is gonna change. Nothing and the biggest thing is don't tolerate anything that you're not comfortable with. Right. People will walk all over you. Don't tolerate mm-hmm. it. Don't let it happen. Yeah. And when you dream, dream big. I like that part Dream of big, that's right. Exactly. I thought it was kinda of cheesy, but you know what? With my yeah, trunk yeah, being so big, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> it was perfect. It was. Kathy, thank you so much for coming on the show. You have really shared a lot of enlightening information and I wish you the very best. Um in dreaming big. Oh, <laughs> Like I, I'm really glad for, for being a guest on your show. And you know what? If anybody wants to even contact me, they can go to my website. My name, KathyTuckerow.com, uh, or even .ca if you're in Canada. It doesn't matter. It works. And there's a contact number, and I got sheets on there. I'll be putting up my, my, my Dream Big workbook on there, and it's free. It's downloadable. It'll be there next month. So, right? T U T is in Tom U C C A R O and Kathy with a K. It's got more power to it, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really, really okay. appreciate it. Hope we'll be back. Okay, thank you. Bye. Bye. All right. So that was Kathy to call. Make sure you pick up her book, Dream Big. Um, we'll be right back with some closing announcements and some things going on next week. We'll be right back. You've been listening to Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends. We'll be right back. She could have been your daughter, your sister, your friend. On a cold autumn day, 19-year-old Arlen decided to end her life. She tucked a tiny stuffed rabbit into one pocket and a suicide note in the other. She said she wanted to be with her baby. Her friend said she didn't want the abortion. Most women don't. Over 60% involve coercion. They say the worst part of the pain is that there's no one to share it with. Learn more about unwanted abortions and how to help or find help at theunchoice.com. There, beneath the surface. It waits for the silence, and then it starts slowly, climbing its way up and around what we've built here in our town. It happens every day in our communities, schools, and workplaces. Sexual violence thrives when we remain silent about these crimes. We can use our voices and have the positive conversation that can stop this problem from growing in our community. Sexual violence thrives in silence. Let's talk about it. Hi, this is Terry Crews, actor, former football player, game show host, father of five, and all-around big dude. I'm also an expert on drama. I know all kinds of drama. There's the good kind that comes with having a house full of kids. There's the bad kind like season-ending injuries. There's the necessary kind like having an agent in Hollywood. And there's silly drama like the drama around my percolating pectorals. And then there's the drama you can skip. Skip the drama that comes with not having your high school diploma or equivalency. Find free adult education classes near you and finish your high school diploma. Visit finishyourdiploma.org. Or text DIPLOMA to 97779. Message and data rates may apply. Reply STOP to opt out. That's DIPLOMA to 97779. And leave the drama to actors like me. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ed Council. You're now listening to Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends. Now back to the show.
Thanks for tuning in to tonight's show. I hope you get a chance during the week to visit our site at livewithwill.com for up-to-date show information, including exclusive opportunities and exciting upcoming interviews. Be sure to tune in next week, same place, same time, for another informative show of real people, real topics, real talk. Let's face it. 